welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Stuck from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals, and those of us who have a passion for just taking a walk. Anna Deguero is a contemporary dancer whose passion for walking is inspired by family holidays in the Italian Alps. Not to be frustrated by the restrictions of the pandemic, she sought means by which she could keep in touch with physically distanced friends, creating audio stories that they could walk in their local neighbourhoods. Weaving her dance experience, passion for walking and newly found interest in geolocating sound recordings. We meet up in Battersea Park on a warm sunny evening as lockdown eases in London and the interview opens with Anna telling us about her dance training. Okay, Anna, please tell us a little bit about um, your your training and uh, mm. uh, the, your practice. Yeah. Um, and let's discover a little bit about that and then we'll move on to why you're interested in working in town. Yeah, my training is originally in movement, but I also have a background in biology. And I think that the two of those have always gone side by side. And so I trained in contemporary dance and physical theatre and improvisation techniques. And then I studied biology at the same time at Edinburgh University in Scotland. And, and the contemporary dance was in, in Edinburgh as well, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I, they kind of fluctuate. The, the contemporary dance was maybe less so whilst I was in Edinburgh. And then I went to train in Israel for a year and then in Spain for a year after university. And I transitioned into tutoring, so kind of to keep that science stuff going on the side. So they both kind of coexist side by side the last few years. <laughs> and, and is that how it works for many dancers and people involved in, in movement work? I think so. I mean, they always have multiple things going on at the same time. I don't know if that's normally with scientific work, uh, but I certainly know a lot of teachers. Um, yeah, people have multiple jobs, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but also, on, on terms of training, travelling abroad to train, yes. is that, uh, that fairly common as well? We have great training, uh, dance training in the UK, and often when I was abroad, people would just shocked that I was there, and they'd be like, why did you just stay in the UK? You've got great stuff there. That's where we all want to go to. But I was really interested in getting out and travelling a little bit and there's a lot of pressure with dance to do it whilst your body is still young and supple <laughs> so um, I was like well I'm just gonna do them at the same time I'm gonna travel and I'm gonna try and train uh, and I also wanted to bring a new experience back to the UK where I imagined I might settle more in the future and try and diversify the scene here. Was the training specific to that country? Was it like sort of, you know, uh, I don't know, does Israel have... A specific dance <laughs> scene. It does have a very specific dance scene, which has grown out of the Gaga movement. So Gaga is a form of improvisation associated with the Batsheva company in Tel Aviv. But they also have a lot of other dance. Um, so I was based in Jerusalem with the Vertigo company, and then in the north of the country with the Kibbutz company. They all have very physical styles and together kind of create this melting pot that is Israeli dance. And a lot of dancers go there for short periods of time to kind of gain experience of that world. So yeah, Israel is very much a kind of specific 
dance style experience. And where else was it you said you went? So I was in Jerusalem for half a year, um, which was absolutely fascinating, one of the most interesting places I've ever lived. And then I was in a kibbutz in the north, Neharia, right on the coast. I was in Spain after that for a year, so I lived on the Costa Brava with a junior company called uh, Cobos Mica. It didn't feel like a kind of Spanish <laughs> dance experience. It and, felt and that's Cat Catalan, isn't it? Yes, Catalonia. exactly, Catalonia. <laughs> so, so did you, speak, you know, learn Catalan or not? I didn't. I learned Spanish. Um, so all of our rehearsals and classes were in Spanish and Catalan and a lot of French. So I learned Spanish very quickly out of necessity, which I now use in my job in Lambeth, weirdly, because <laughs> there's a massive Portuguese and Spanish community there. That was more kind of general contemporary dance. The people who run that school, one of them has a lot of experience in uh, Slovakian dance, like Slovakian traditional dance, so that kind of bled into it a little bit. So <laughs> I would say that was less of a Sp uh, Spain-specific experience. That's influenced the work you've made, or t tell us about the work you've made. I think it's, it's changed so much over the last few years. Yeah, I think my work has definitely had a lot of physical theatre. I've been drawn to a lot of improvisation projects. And then also this physical theatre stuff has appeared a lot in my work and in the other people's work that I've been in. But during the pandemic, I've definitely moved across art forms a lot more. And so movement has appeared in a less kind of, this is a show with movement in. So that's when I've started to move into audio and done little film projects and started to move, like try out visual art projects. Yeah, my practice of movement has definitely expanded into a lot of other disciplines in the last year and a half. So that's why it's a confusing question, like what is your work? <laughs> because it was more traditional in a kind of dance sense. And now I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> You're not sure, but you're exploring audio. So tell yes. us a little bit about where you've got to with that and, and why is it, you know, what what's the reasons why you're exploring audio? So I think the first audio project that I did was uh, as part of a festival that East London Dance were organising, or I was organising with East London Dance. And it was called the Street Movement Project. And it was meant to be a movement audio projects that you could do during the pandemic, during lockdown, uh, that would kind of take you around your local area and through movement you would discover your area in a new way um, and engage with it in, through multiple senses. We got lots of great feedback and people said that they yeah, became, became really conscious of things that they had walked past a hundred times and suddenly noticed or that the way they were walking through their area changed as they went over different surfaces and, and things like that. Um, so give us a couple of examples of the kind of prompts that the they might have had and what they might have been asked to do. <laughs> the prompts did get stranger and stranger as it went on and I think that was also a part of the project, like how far can we push these poor people into kind of ridiculing themselves outside in public. Can you give us suggestions that we could try, or should we try them now? Yeah, we could definitely try them now. And let me try and remember. So there were definitely examples about um, you had to kind of get into the mindset of an alien, as if you'd never arrived on Earth before, and start to take in the objects around you 
from a very neutral perspective. You then had to trace different objects with your body. And this is quite open, so you might like use your finger, you might use your eyebrows, you might use your toes to start tracing. Uh, this led into a section where you had to follow different lines on the floor. Uh, so you, the kind of ground became a bit of a map. Um, and eventually they got, there was some dancing <laughs> with a bin, <laughs> um, which I don't know if people managed to do, but I hope so. <laughs> dancing with a bin? Dancing with a bin. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you had to find a bin or, or something similar and do some sort of alien dance with it. <laughs> um, anyway, you got good feedback. had great feedback. I think it was meant to be... It had a very silly vibe around it and an amazing soundtrack. So it was something really light-hearted for a moment in the lockdown where I think people were really bored. <laughs> and what was the sort of soundtrack? Was it music? It was music, a little bit of sound effects, but quite musical sound effects. And was that something you had a hand in putting together? I was advising and guiding on that and shaping that and making sure that it went together with the script and the kind of overall feel of the audio. But no, I didn't make it. It was a musician called Lisa Magithia. And then the script was made by Amy Gwilliam. OK, so, so that was the kind of beginning of the pandemic. And that was encouraging people to go out and walk or at least observe their neighbourhood in a different way. Exactly. Or interact with it. So uh, what was it that is drawing you more to audio? Uh, I really like the closeness of audio. I think often with movement, the way that we share it, audiences or the people experiencing it can be quite far away. And I love the contrast that comes with having something right in your head that goes with that. And I think we have like craved that intimacy in the last year, and that's why audio has become, in my world, it's become very popular. You were just talking about the intimacy of audio. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about your interest and enthusiasm for walking now. Mm. Yeah, I was having a think about this before today, and I was like, how do I even... Like, walking is just, you know, it just happens every day. It's just, we all do it. How can you find that when you started to love walking, you've always done it? But I think my enthusiasm for walking as an activity comes from my family holidays. So we often go for, like, a week or two of walking, either in the UK or uh, often in the Alps in Italy. Sometimes we camp and sometimes we stay in little refuges along the trails and the mountains. And it's a really important moment in the year for us to regather as a family and to kind of check in with each other and do this quite intense week of team bonding. At altitude, I think we kind of need that because we don't see each other so much in the year. If forced. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that sounds great. It is. It's really good fun. And do you choose always to go in the same part of um, you said the Alps? We are trying to complete the GTA in the Italian Alps over many years. Okay, tell so, me what does GTA stand for? Oh, that's testing. Grand Traverse Alpine or Alpine. I can't remember the exact Italian, but it's a big route that goes through the Alps, possibly even further past Italy. So we tend to do a section every year. You meet for a week, or is this a two-week excursion? It, it, it's flexible. It can be. It has been a week in the past. We managed to somehow do a, a, a section last year between lockdowns, uh, which was amazing privilege to be able to do. Often, yeah, we'll do two weeks, and there'll be lots of camping in there. And but sometimes we also go walking in the UK, which I equally love. And this year we're going to 
the north part of the Pennine Way. We'll be walking that for a week. So it's that sort of walking and scrambling as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, there I've, is I'm... a lot of yeah, very um, dodgy scrambling that happens with large backpacks on. <laughs> <laughs> and and you carry all your own kit. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And I think I I also love that cultural side of walking and hiking. Is the kind of I mean, you're in training now. You've got heavy weights in your back. Yeah, heavy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how much training goes on. There's a lot of gasping happens <laughs> and heavy breathing. It's hard on the knees, it too, is isn't it? It's hard on the knees. Yeah, I've discovered that more and more in the last few years. It's definitely a, a measurement of... Uh, a, a way of me tracking age myself by how painful the downhill sections become every year. So what are you considering at the moment? with the audio and the walking together. Two years ago, I started recording whilst we were walking as a way of documenting and as a way of like listening more and engaging with the environment a bit more. So I've been making soundtracks out of those recordings during the pandemic and using those soundtracks as an impetus to make more soundtracks, <laughs> which then movement gets put to. So those don't necessarily have the sounds from the mountains in them, but they're kind of semi-inspired by those mountain sounds. I really like the juxtaposition of like quirky natural sounds and very human sounds, which themselves can be quite quirky in the mountains once you get into small villages and things. Things like backpacks squeaking or birds around in the mountains, marmots, there's a lot of marmots. Uh, in the Italian Alps um, and the kind of blending of these human, more artificial things with natural sounds and how they actually become quite indistinguishable when you mix them. So we've talked about walking and we've talked about movement and we've talked about audio. How mm. do they all come together for <laughs> Anna Daguerre? I think there's definitely something about with the walking at least coming together and gathering and kind of really being together and that's something I've definitely been exploring in movement as well over the last year so maybe audio is a medium that helps to amplify that gathering or being together in the other two forms and say oh yes been playing around a bit with geotagging audio in both my local area and also like in other countries close to where friends live and seeing how I can kind of design movement journeys for them from a distance. So I don't know if that's a way of kind of attempting to gather or be with them. So what sort of app have you used for that or what? I've been using something called Echoes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been putting different sound bites, interviews or kind of very foreign sounds that wouldn't normally match with that type of environment and trying to like structure maps that might guide someone in a certain formation in a space I don't know how successful that's been I tried it out myself and not managed to kind of complete those formations as I wanted to so that's something that's definitely still being played around with Okay, and where, whereabouts you, have you tried that? You haven't <laughs> physically gone to these places. I've only gone to the places where, that I'm close to, um, and then I've instructed friends to do them in other places. So I've been trying it out on my, my street uh, and on Clapham Common. And then I have a friend in Guildford who 
did, I'd made one for her street and kind of made up a story based on all the locations I could find on Google Maps. Uh, so she had to kind of weave her way between those. And then one for my friend who lives in rural Massachusetts. Um, so just trying to kind of juxtapose the farmland environment that exists there with some of the sounds that I have. They're all individual at the moment, so it's not one thing that kind of is transposed. What you're doing here is you're taking the experiences that are kind of could be seen as every day. Lots of people do dance, lots of people do walking, lots of people do audio. You're mixing them together in such a way to engage or uh, collaborate with other people. And you're trying to use a technology which... For most people, no one's ever heard of geolocated you know, apps. What you're doing is you're getting your friends or family or whatever to do something locally in their area by applying what your knowledge and expertise, which you've garnered from somewhere else. So, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's really interesting. Uh, do they include instructions? Yeah, that's something I've been testing. I guess that's kind of taking elements from the Street Movement Project, which was very instructional. So, yeah, some of the geolocated audio will be instructions. I'm going to ask you to recommend a couple of walks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is a, a recommendation from a friend that I really enjoy that maybe I can pass along. And it's just walking backwards. It enables you to get a new perspective on your surroundings again. It makes you aware of your whole kind of back body, which we often neglect in our kind of modern lives of which are very frontal and like kind of focused on things like computers and stuff. Yeah, walking backwards, I think, is a really great exercise. I mean, we could try it now, if you like. I mean, yeah, we, we could... could walk backwards as we, as we do this. And now you looked over your shoulder, I wouldn't bother. Oh, well, that's a very brave. You obviously have a different um, relationship to risk. But I, of course, the other thing is one, <laughs> one feels completely unbalanced because I'm not familiar with walking backwards, so I sort of, I'm likely to tip into you or do something dark <laughs> like that. It's all a matter of practice. You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Anna Deguero. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we would love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Recorded and produced by Andrew Stark of Rethinking Cities Limited, our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of Alphart Graphics, and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easytronic. <laughs>